This is the Black and Blue Report, straight from the source. No appointment radio, wherever, whenever. Now, from Studio B, or from wherever the Saints or Pelicans might be, here's Sean Kelly. Here we go, it's the Black and Blue Report, the podcast for Saints and Pelicans fans. It is Thursday, greetings from Studio B on Airline Drive. I'm Sean Kelly, Daniel Salerson's our producer today, and the Pelicans are home tonight, game two of this homestand, and we'll see the Detroit Pistons over at the Smoothie King Center at 7 p.m. this evening. We're going to preview that ball game and learn a whole lot about the Pistons today with Jake Chapman. He's a Pistons insider and a host for Pistons Radio. It's an interesting Detroit outfit that's really made big improvements. They're 23-19 and coming into tonight's game. The Pelicans, meanwhile, at 14 wins, have already taken one game in this homestand. I like this I like this matchup from an entertainment uh, uh, standpoint, but <laughs> this is going to be this is going to be a little difficult tonight against a, a good Eastern Conference team out of that Central Division. So, we'll see how it plays out. Detroit won last night uh, in Houston, and we had the Hackett Drummond thing go on. Uh, we'll talk with Jake about that for sure, and uh, we'll look forward to the night uh, from the Detroit side of things with him. With regard to the Pelicans, uh, there is some news today. Uh, obviously, we saw yesterday that Quincy Pondexter underwent successful knee surgery, and, uh, and, and I'm glad it's a success. Uh, I'm just, uh, I'm still a little down though that Quincy is out for the rest of the year, and uh, we'll hopefully see him uh, next fall at training camp. And then yesterday, also a successful operation for Eric Gordon, who had uh, his uh, finger repaired. He fractured that last game. It's the ring finger on his right hand, which is his shooting hand. And the uh, word is that uh, Eric will probably be out anywhere from four to six weeks, and that's the best guess, obviously, anytime this uh, this close to the operation. I think as the days uh, start to progress here, we watch the, the, the healing process, the swelling and whatnot. We'll have a better gauge on the timetable. Uh, with that being said, uh, there are reports out uh, that the Pelicans are bringing in Bryce DeJean Jones, a shooting guard, um, and it looks like it may be a 10-day. We're going to look for confirmation uh, from the Pelicans and General Manager Del Demps on that later today. We did have Bryce uh, with us during training camp, and he can fill it up. He's a good shooter, and he's been averaging 19 points a game uh, here recently in the D-League. So, again, we'll look for confirmation on that later today. Heck, he could be in uniform tonight. We're going to learn a, a lot about that situation tonight, starting at 6 Central as the Alvin Gentry Show on the flagship radio station of the network, 99.5 WRNO-FM. It normally airs at 7. Tonight it airs at 6. So from 6 to 6.30, it's the Alvin Gentry Show. Then at 6.30, it's Pelicans warm-up with Daniel Salerson. And then at 7 o'clock, tip-off, Pelicans and Pistons. So hopefully we'll have a lot of questions uh, answered on that front. Um, not only you know about Dijon Jones, uh, but also who's starting in place of Eric Gordon tonight, how the rotation gets affected, and whatnot. Uh, I'll throw you another detail or two about the game a little bit later in the show. One thing we're going to do today that I'm uh, looking forward to is we're going to step into the world of horse racing a bit today. Um, and I may be uh, in over my head just a little bit, but uh, it, this past weekend was a was a darn good one for GMB Racing. And uh, Gail Benson, uh, she had two horses running in the LeCompte Stakes over at uh, the fairgrounds. And sure enough, GMB finished 1-2 with Motom. Uh, placing or finishing first and then uh, placing second was uh, Tom's ready and so the story now is starting to evolve especially with Mo Tom as the spring season progresses towards are you ready the Kentucky Derby yes these are three-year-olds we're talking about 
and uh, horseman Tom Amos, the trainer of Mo Tom, will join us here on the Black and Blue Report. Uh, I not only want to talk about the, the uniqueness of the one-two finish this past weekend, but now what this means going forward in the spring, and especially for Mo Tom, who currently stands seventh in the Kentucky Derby points standings. Two big races still to go, Risen Star in February, and then, of course, the Louisiana Derby. Uh, and uh, we might be talking about a uh, little uh, New Orleans, a little hometown flavor in the running for the Roses up at uh, Churchill Downs come the first weekend in May. So with that being said, Tom Amos, gracious enough to join us today for a bit of conversation about that developing story, uh, not only here for us locally, but in the uh, horse racing world. So a good show, and I hope that you'll uh, stick around for the entirety. When we come back, we'll start our conversation with Jake Chapman, previewing tonight's basketball game. And as I mentioned, we'll uh, check in uh, with Tom Amos. Back up to this. Create fun and affordable memories for the entire family with a Pierre's Party Pack. Ticket packages are available for select Pelicans home games throughout the season and include three or more tickets, combo meals, and an on-court free throw experience with Pierre the Pelican, all for as low as $48. Pelicans! The next Pierre's Party Pack night is on Saturday, January 23rd against the Milwaukee Bucks. For more information and to plan your next night out with the gang, visit pelicans.com today. The Harlem Globetrotters bring their 90th anniversary world tour to the Smoothie King Center for two shows Saturday, April 2nd. Witness some of the world's best athletes execute unbelievable feats of ball handling, trick shots, and comedy. It's the team's most epic tour in 90 years and a lifelong memory in the making. Score your tickets at Ticketmaster.com and don't miss your chance to get in on the action at the Smoothie King Center, Saturday, April 2nd at 2 and 7 p.m. Ever been surprised by a bill? A big bill that's higher than expected? Entergy's online tools let you take control. Try level billing so there are no surprises. Pick a due date that works for you. And sign up for alerts to remind you when your bill is due. Make your bills fit your budget. Don't wait another month. Take action today at EntergyIdeas.com. That's the power of people. Entergy. It's Pelicans game day. This is the Black and Blue Report. All right, it's the Pelicans and the Pistons tonight at Smoothie King Center. It's the lone visit for Detroit tonight, and it will be a tall order for the New Orleans Pelicans. Detroit comes in here at 23-19. They are a much-improved ball club. They play with a fantastic style, and they're coming off of a win over in Houston last night, 123-114. to To help us preview the opponent here this evening is Jake Chapman, Pistons insider and host on Pistons Radio. Uh, Jake, I think we're winning in the weather battle today. I don't know. Just I'm I'm speculating that New Orleans is better than Detroit. Yeah, I'll go ahead and forfeit. I'll forfeit that one. Uh, I'm sure it is. I'm not. I'm not sure what it's like down there, but it's uh, it's gray and it's chilly up here. Uh, frigid, probably a better word. 24 degrees. I got uh, on the reading. So so yeah, we'll forfeit uh, that one definitely, Sean. And we'll go with frigid, too. I, I know you're a hardy folk up there, and 24 just may like seem like a, a spring day to you, but 24 to us would be disastrous. Just for fair that we want to put that out there and level the field like that. So, um, <laughs> Little perspective hey, look, Detroit's really good. for the good people of New Orleans. Yeah, <laughs> yes, thank you. Thank you. Um, Detroit's really good. I like their team a lot. Um, no, no doubt that Stan Van Gundy is a great coach. Now, what, what can you tell us? Uh, about Detroit that seemingly is the reason why 
they're playing as they are now at four games above 500 despite a very difficult schedule so far. Well, you know, Sean, we hit the midway point um, after Monday's game, after Monday's MLK game against the Chicago Bulls. And so I put together, uh, you know, 41 games in blog, and I was kind of thinking about where the franchise has come since Stan Van Gundy's been there. It's been about 20 uh, 20 months since he's been the head coach and the head of the basketball operation. And so kind of from 30,000 feet, I think the big difference this year is that Stan has his group. He's got his young core in place. He's identified a lot of two-way guys, guys who can contribute on either end, and also a lot of guys who were sort of looking for more, looking for more of an opportunity. Obviously, Reggie Jackson in from Oklahoma City. Marcus Morris has made a huge difference in from Phoenix. Uh, He's drafted Stanley Johnson. And so the big difference on the court has been the improved play of Andre Drummond. He's had about 17.5 points, 15.5 rebounds a game. And Reggie Jackson. Reggie Jackson, it's his first year as a starter. He's been very good. He's uh, going into last night, he was 26th in the league in scoring and 10th in assists. And the bread and butter of what Stan Van Gundy wants to do, and you remember from his time in Orlando, is he wants to run pick and roll with his one and five. He's identifying other ball handlers. He's trying to run more stuff with Marcus Morris, more with Stanley Johnson, and Contavious Caldwell-Pope is pretty much his defensive ace, a great on-ball defender. So Stan's got a young group. They're all about 19 to 26. If you look at that young core, a couple veterans sprinkled in. Aaron Baines has been good off the bench. Anthony Tolliver and Ersan Ilyasova as well. He's got a good young group, and he's got a lot of guys who are really being given their first opportunity. Um, and they're kind of rising to the, to the challenge. They're a good defensive team, great rebounding team. Um, they're still a little iffy shooting. But night in and night out, you know this, Sean, if you rebound and if you defend and if you don't kick the ball around the gym, you're going to be in every game. Yeah, no doubt about that. And it's interesting you talk about their rebounding and the way that Drummond's played here because Greg Monroe is no longer there. Um, and the rebounding numbers seemed, seemingly would suffer without having that uh, that one-two punch in the low post. But it seems like Drummond's better now than he's ever been before, and that's without Greg Monroe right alongside of him. Yeah, and it's, I mean, it's really a testament to how good a rebounder Andre Drummond is. I I mean, he's obviously a great athlete, and you know, when you're when you're kind of have that that one in four out set, you're going to get a whole bunch of offensive rebound opportunities. He's a great offensive rebounder, and pretty much all the rebounds are his. I mean, that's you know, Greg just stole a lot of his rebounds last year, and Greg Monroe's a great player too and a great rebounder. Um, Andre's a really smart rebounder, and at 22 years old, you kind of see you know the Pistons shoot a whole lot of threes, and they love those coffin corner threes. And a lot of times you see Andre on the opposite side play that angle like he used to see Dennis Rodman do, sort of bring in the, um, you know, the mental approach to rebounding. It's a lot about angles. It's a lot about knowing when to rush the basket and when the shot's going up and just timing. So Andre, is he's got that innate sense. He's a great rebounder, period. Um, and at 22 years old, you have to expect it's going to uh, at least stay the same. His numbers are down a little bit in January, but – that's more so because they were so good the first couple months of the season. He's down to 15.5 rebounds a game. Um, but the big difference is on the offensive end. He's a great offensive rebounder, and that's what kind of gets you those extra three, four rebounds a game um, that I think Greg, Greg Monroe sort of bit into last year. Jake Chapman with us here. Uh, Jake, let me play both sides of the coin here. I, I asked you why the Pistons are good and why they're four games over 500 despite the tough schedule. Let me play the other side of this. Why are the Pistons only four games above 500? What shortcomings do they have? Yeah, I think, you know, a lot of it is youth. They're just inconsistent night in and night out. You saw it. It was on perfect display this weekend. Um, Saturday night, a special night at the Palace. It was Ben Wallace's 
jersey retirement, so the whole 04 team was there. It was an awesome night, and Golden State was in the house, and the Pistons rolled them. Um, they let Steph get his. Clay Thompson got going a little bit, but they were able to sort of contain Draymond from doing you know the stuff he does, creating for all his teammates. And the Pistons beat the Warriors by 18. Monday afternoon, the Bulls come in. The Pistons have already beaten them twice this year, and they just can't stop anybody. They don't show up on the defensive end. They can't get out on Pau Gasol. He goes for 30 and 10. Doug McDermott and Aaron Brooks torched him off the bench, and they lost by 10. Defensive consistency night in and night out is always going to be something that's tough uh, for a young team to wrangle, and obviously a Stan Van Gundy team, that's pretty much all he's asking for. I mean, he harps on them no matter what. There have been games that they've lost that he was happy with them after the game because of the defensive effort, and there have been games that they won that he wasn't happy after the game because he didn't think they defended well enough. Um, young teams, defensively, of course, there's going to be inconsistency there. The other thing is the bench has been really helter-skelter. They've had a couple of injuries. Um, Steve Blake, who was the backup point guard until Brandon Jennings came back just about 10 games ago at the end of December, um, he had a concussion in training camp, so he wasn't right for the first month or so of the season. They were kind of toggling back and forth between him and, uh, and Spencer Dinwiddie. And then Jody Meeks went down very early in the season. He'll be back likely before the All-Star break. He's got a broken toe. Um, but so that's kind of it's kind of messed up the bench. And basically, when Stan goes to the bench, he has to keep Contavious Caldwell Pope or Marcus Morris on the floor because he doesn't have any offensive creators um, coming off the bench. Now with Brian and Jennings, it's helping out a little bit, um, but they do have depth issues for sure. And I think you've seen that sort of rear its head um, a couple times over the course of the season. Again, winners yesterday, though, Jake, and beating Houston, uh, one twenty-three, one fourteen. Look, I know Dwight Howard didn't play, but. Andre Drummond misses 23 free throws last night in this. Well, it started with Hackashack. So Hackashack, Hackett Jordan, Hackett Drummond, you pick. Um, sure. The Rockets employ this philosophy last night and yet, uh, and also get Drummond to miss 23, but yet lose the game. So um, when you watch the game last night, what does that do for Detroit? What does that do for the game at all? And again, um, thank goodness this is a podcast because if you want to go on a 20 minute rant, I'll let you. Uh, but it was significant in not only the game last night, but the league. And, and so I'm curious as to whether we see it again tonight. Sean, I appreciate you <laughs> you, you allowing me to vet a little bit. I will say I got it out on the postgame show last night. Um, anybody in the Detroit area or on our network in Michigan heard it. Um, look, I, I understand that part of it is gamesmanship. Part of it is bending the rules in your favor. Um, but that was crap, what I saw last night. I mean, the first nine seconds of the third quarter, J.B. Bickerstaff trots out K.J. McDaniels for five straight fouls. And it just ruins the product. It's a game that I love. And I got so many tweets last night, especially here in Detroit, because the Pistons haven't been good in about seven seasons. Um, Piston fans are kind of coming back around to this team. And I got one tweet that just stood out at me. This guy was like, look, I really like this young team, but I can't watch this. I'm going to go watch the Wings game. And I was so angry about that because this is a fun team. And I do love NBA basketball, and I do want people in Detroit to enjoy it as much as I do. But what we saw last night was not enjoyable for anybody. Um, granted, the Pistons won the game, and I was so glad that they did. I usually try, yes, I'm a team broadcaster, but I usually try to maintain some level of objectivity on the air. And I was just so pissed last night, Sean, that that was what the game resorted to. And the real question is, if you're the Houston Rockets, or especially if you're KJ McDaniel, like, what are you thinking about what your coach thinks about you? How much faith do you show in your team that you go, it's a nine-point game, we got 24 minutes to play, and we're going to resort to this gimmicky stuff. Um, I hate it for the game. I think they will address it uh, this summer. Adam Silver was actually in the building at the Palace on Monday on Martin Luther King Day, 
And I was I, I wish I wish he had been there last night um, to see that because it was just awful. And Rockets fans were booing and rightfully so. Um, and you know the other thing is when you do it that early. And I'm the same guy who broadcasted. I, I, I produced. Uh, the game back in 12, I believe it was, when Dwight Howard shot 39 free throws uh, in Oakland. Mark Jackson did the same thing, and he started at the end of the first quarter. Um, it's not a very worthwhile tactic. The Pistons, uh, Andre Drummond has shot more than 10 free throws 15 occasions this year, and the Pistons are 10-5 and five in those games. The Rockets and the Celtics have been the ones who have really taken it to the next level following uh, Brad Stevens did it in the first half and Bickerstaff with that nonsense last night to start the third. And the Pistons are 4-1 and one against the Celtics and the Rockets so far this year. So it's not a great strategy. With that said, until Andre shoots better than 30% from the free throw line, uh, you're going to see it. And Stan Van Gundy's approach is kind of, look, you can do that if you want to, but you better step up on the defensive end. We can't be giving up stops. And, you know, full disclosure, it worked last night. The, the Rockets got back in the game. They ended up taking the lead uh, about four minutes into the third quarter. Now you had to play a whole quarter in the bonus. Um, I think that killed them a little bit. You're, you're asking your team to defend without fouling for, you know, 11 minutes and 51 seconds. Um, and then the, the real secret weapon for the Pistons in games like that is Aaron Baines. The Pistons paid $7 million for a backup center last year, a guy who came in as an 85% free throw shooter and who's a pretty damn good defender and, and screen setter. So he comes in, the Pistons don't lose a ton. It's obvious Andre Drummond is better than Aaron Baines. But I think Stan Van Gundy has at least some plans um, some ways to counter it, and again, you know, from 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 a whole perspective, I just can't stand it for the game. I hope they fix it this summer. Very thorough, nicely done. Um, <laughs> and again, and I'll and I'll allow everybody to have their own opinion on this. As a matter of fact, I'm going to ask Alvin Gentry tonight uh, in our pregame interview his feeling on this. Um, so um, I can't say whether or not you're going to have to deal with this again tonight as the Pistons play at New Orleans. Uh, Jake, I I hope that your blood pressure will stay low um, in, in light of our conversation about this. Always, Sean. Always. No matter what. Hey, it's just basketball, right? It's just basketball, but it means a lot. It really does to those of us who live it every day. No doubt about that. Well, I'm looking forward to the game. I, I think this is a very interesting matchup tonight, um, and uh, we'll see how it plays out. This is, what, the second of three on this road trip, Jake, for the Pistons? Yep, Denver and Utah to finish off. So not exactly murderer's row for the Pistons. I think they kind of looked at it. They've been, you know, they're, they're a young team, so going out on the road is always – um, a, a risky proposition, but getting that first one in Houston last night was big. Now I, I just saw the number; they are really bad. I think they're like three and twenty-two in their last twenty-five games uh, on the road on uh, uh, second half of back-to-back. So young teams can be real interesting to see um, whether or not New Orleans can look. If you guys jump out on the Pistons tonight, I think you you get them down a little bit. Um, that'll be big for the game. The Pistons sometimes just come out flat, and when they do, it's an uphill struggle all night. All right, we'll see how it plays out. Hey, look, uh, by the way, I, we'll, we're not going to give you anything tonight, um, but we will root for you against Denver and Utah. Uh, we need Detroit to take care of the Nuggets and the Jazz uh, with regards to the Pelicans Western Conference playoff hunt here. So, Fair, um, fair. That's the deal. Fair. There, there you go. So uh, we'll root for you two of the next three, just not tonight. <laughs> good, good deal, Sean. Sounds good, man. Jake, thank you very much. Well done, and uh, all the best to you guys up in Detroit. All right, likewise. Thanks, Sean. Thank you. Jake Chapman with us, Pistons Insider and, of course, host on Pistons Radio. When we come back, we're going to jump into the world of horse racing. Horseman Tom Amos with us on the Black and Blue Report here on this Thursday.
All-Star Electric is lighting up the future with the latest in LED lighting. All-Star Electric specializes in the installation and conversion of the newest LED lighting products. This lasting investment is virtually maintenance-free and offers significant savings on your next electricity bill. This is Tim Blanchard, president of All-Star Electric. Let us evaluate your building, parking lot, or home for an LED conversion because we know we can save you some money. Fall is here, which means there's a new purpose to get excited about at Smoothie King. It's time to bundle up against the weather outside and give your immune system a little extra support on the inside. At Smoothie King, we're blending our new Immune Builder smoothies to help you stay strong all season long. Fortify your body with more than 2,000% of your daily vitamin C and all-natural immune supporters like vitamins A and E, zinc, and selenium. Try a mixed berry or orange Immune Builder smoothie today. Only at Smoothie King. Smoothies with a purpose. Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report. Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report. As promised, we're going to have a little conversation today about the sport of kings. Horse racing, as many of of you know, uh, the Bensons are heavily involved, and specifically with Mrs. Gail Benson and GMB Racing. And here we are uh, moving into what looks to be a very exciting spring for GMB Racing. This, of course, coming on the heels of a 1-2 finish this month at the Lacombe Stakes over at the fairgrounds as Mo Tom and Tom's Ready finished 1-2 in that race. And we're pleased to bring the trainer in of Mo Tom this morning. That's our good friend Tom Amos uh, to talk a little bit about what's going on with these horses, most specifically his horse, Mo Tom, and what this spring may be like. First of all, uh, Tom, congratulations on a big win uh, for GMB Racing this month. Well, thank you, Sean, and thank you for having me on the show. Well, we're going to learn something because you always educate us uh, very well here, and uh, and I know you're extremely busy right now. Um, your thoughts, first of all, on on you guys finishing one two in that race? Well, it's it, it's it's not an easy thing to do. First of all, let me say that to have to run an outstanding race like the Lacombe and and be able to take the top two spots. Uh, so uh, that's exciting for both myself and for uh, Tom's Ready's trainer Dallas Stewart, and. Um, you know, a lot of people would probably wonder, you know, is that how competitive the rivalry is that? But really, we're rooting for each other, and uh, we talked after the race, and we're both excited about our horses' futures. Well, it's it's interesting that you brought that up. I was going to ask you about that a little bit later, but we may as well start there. Tom, Tom, when you look at the way that you and Dallas are working, you know, under the same flag, if you will, are you both on an island somewhat? Are you both working with each other? How does this dynamic work? So so we are independent of one another. I really couldn't tell you the first thing about Tom's Reddy's personality or, or how Dallas goes about training that horse, and, and I'm sure he would say the same with me. But but when we come together for a race or when we race separately, which we've done as well, you know, we're, 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 we're cheering one another on. So uh, it's definitely a team sport in that sense. Uh, but when it comes time to race, we're, our focus is on our own horse. So there's a little healthy competition, is what you're saying, Tom? Absolutely. And uh, you know, oh, I think it, I think it makes it I think it makes it better, quite frankly. You know, uh, we, we both want to win. There's no secret about that. And uh, so I, I think uh, these two horses they have our full attention. Let's let's talk specifically about the horse you're training here, Mo Tom, and 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 perhaps. I don't know where to start asking you about this, but tell me about Mo Tom as a horse uh, and, and what, what makes him special. Well, I'll tell you what, Sean. Let's start at the beginning. So uh, 
uh, two years ago at the Keeneland Fall Yearling Sale, which is the premier sale in the United States. Uh, both myself, uh, Al Stahl, and Dallas Stewart went to the sale um, in hopes of buying a good horse for Gail Benson. And um, we were given no restrictions, allowed to select anything we wanted, and um, that is where uh, Mo Tom, as well as Tom's Ready, came from. Um, so from that point forward, Mo Tom has been under my care, but not directly. Uh, early on in the training, he needs to learn how to take a saddle and needs to learn how to gallop correctly, and those things are done at a farm. So I'm supervising from afar, but in about June of his two-year-old year, so this past June, Mo Tom came into the stable, and now it was time to get him fit to run in a race. And that's there's a lot that goes into that um, to get the horses to be finely tuned to run in a in a in a race environment uh, is is a daily training regime. There's a combination of building stamina and putting speed into the horse, and also learning the horse's personality and how he wants to run, which at first was something we didn't know about Motom. Motom, as you saw in the LeCompte, is a horse that likes to come from well off the pace and make a strong finish at the end. But the races aren't uh, of very much distance when these horses are two. So trying to get Motom to show that early speed just wasn't working for us. And at that time, we weren't sure what we had. It was one morning at Churchill Downs when I put him against another horse and just decided to try a different style with him. Uh, and let him finish up on the end of the work that I saw his brilliance. Uh, and he finished, he quickened very, very fast. And uh, it was, a, you know, from then on in, I've, I've always known Motom was a good horse. Motom, as you mentioned, comes from Uncle Mo. And, and, and this year being, you know, we're going to talk about the Derby here in a little bit. But, you know, he's turned now into this his third year. And, and while I think it's very unique, and, and, and whether fate you believe in fate or not, you know, his birthday is coming up at Kentucky Derby weekend. Isn't Motom kind of on the younger end of the three-year-olds right now, and, and is there any advantage or disadvantage to that? That's a very good point. Uh, Motom is a mayfoil, and that's late for a horse of his age. Every horse born in the year 2013, is his birthday is January 1st. So breeders try to plan for the births as close to January 1st as possible. So the first two or three months is when you're going to see most babies born uh, in a given year. But Motom was late. And the reason for that is because the gestation period in a horse is 11 months. So you have to plan it around when the mares had her previous baby. So it doesn't always work the way you want it to. So your question, is that an advantage or a disadvantage? It's certainly a disadvantage at first, and it can become an advantage because you're a little bit behind the rest of the class, and if you're able to keep up in early January, odds are that you're going to get better and better because you're going to mature and catch up to those horses as you get a little older, uh, and it bodes well for things to come. When you talk about him being a great finisher, I think that's something that we always hear about champion horses. Um, but at the same time, it seems to me, Tom, that when you're, when you're referring to um, a triple crown type winner, they have to be almost a complete package. How can you make Mo Tom better out of the gate or protect him from falling behind stronger horses too quick? That's a fair question, and the competition is going to get tougher for Mo Tom. Uh, the problem is that taking a horse out of his style would be no different than taking a human athlete out of his style. So let's say we're running in a foot race. It's guy, it's people, and uh, 
your runner style is to kind of go a slow first couple of miles and then finish up hard in the end. Changing him into a, a runner that tries to go fast early, uh, it doesn't equate to that same finish at the end. So Motom is perhaps a victim of his style, but that remains to be seen because he hasn't been a victim yet. He's always finished well in the end. He's always caught up. And remember, from here on forward, the race is going to get longer in distance. And so that becomes an equalizer for Motom as he moves down the line. What kind of a difference are we talking about in distance here, say from his win at the Lacombe Stakes and then what he would be required to do in May at Churchill Downs? Well, that's a good question, too. So we have a few steps before then, but that race was a mile and 70 yards. The next race for Motom will be the Risen Star, and that's a mile and the 16th, and that's 40 more yards. Uh, the Louisiana Derby, God willing, if we make it, will be another 16th of a mile. It's an additional 110 yards. And if we're lucky enough to make it into the Kentucky Derby and he keeps showing his promise, add another 110 yards to that because we're going to be going, uh, excuse me, another 240 yards after that because we're going another eighth of a mile. So you can see by what I'm saying, you equate that to maybe a football field. You can see uh, how this all becomes uh, not only a game where you have to have a complete package, and that's a fair point you made, but but you need to have that stamina and uh and, and, and we think we think that, that again, it becomes a, a really nice equalizer as time goes on. Tom Amos with us, trainer of Motom from GMB Racing on the Black and Blue Report. All right, so both uh, figuratively and literally, there's a long way to go. <laughs> I get that. Uh, but, Tom, having the experience that you have in training horses for such races, uh, the ones that we love to watch, you know, in May and, uh, and, and, and forward from there, uh, can you in any way project or compare Motom to others that you've seen make it to that to that stage of their career? Yes. So, um, first of all, uh, these are elite athletes that train every day. So whether you want to compare them to the New Orleans Saints or the New Orleans Pelicans, injuries happen. We've certainly have seen our share of those uh, this winter. Um, and, you know, that's the first hurdle to keep your horse healthy and, and in good shape. And Motom's running style, where he kind of lays back and makes a late run, and he's not going, you know, as quick as he can early and trying to keep that up the whole way around there, it bodes well for uh, him staying healthy, and that, that's good news. But comparing him to horses I've had in the past, and the best Kentucky Derby finish I've had is a fifth-place finish. Comparing the horses that have run in the past in the Derby, what I like about Motom is that he has the right style for the Kentucky Derby, and a lot of the other ones that I've trained are horses that are very precocious, and I've had to try to stretch out to that distance, and that's 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 difficult, if not impossible, to do. So uh, I think those things fare well for him. I'm more excited about him than I have been about any of my other three-year-old prospects for the Kentucky Derby, but you said it right, and it needs to be paid attention to. It's only January, and come May, the first week in May, we might be talking about a whole different set of horses than we're talking about right now in the United States. But it's fair to say that Motom is the pro tem leader in the Midwest. And we have a few different regions, California, New York, Florida, and the Midwest. So he's, uh, he's accomplished quite a bit. Okay, this is where our paths uh, kind of uh, cross here, Tom, in that for forever and a day, I would uh, – just like the rest of the country, get fired up, dial into the Kentucky Derby, and all of a sudden, boom, here's this field of horses, 
and not really truly knowing how they all got there. So now, um, if I can pull in my NBA and NFL experience, I'm starting to get a better understanding of how teams get to um, a championship level, if you will. So there is mm-hmm. a process. <laughs> and, I, and while you say it's only January, I can't help but, as I'm learning about the process, look at a point standing here, Tom, and see Mo Tom at seventh in the, in the Derby point standings. Um, now, here's where I need help. Um, how does one get more points <laughs> and stay up in that top ten to find themselves at Churchill Downs that first Saturday in May? So, uh, even going back to his two-year-old season, but much more emphasis is played on the, placed on the three-year-old year, each of the races that Motom runs in, as well as other horses throughout the nation, uh, is associated with a certain number of points that are split up between first, second, and third place finish. Uh, and as the races get close to the Kentucky Derby, those races become more valuable in terms of points. The point system is higher for those races. And the top 20 point getters are going to go in the Derby. So Motom, although he's seventh right now, uh, a lot could change over his next two starts, which are the Risen Star, and that's a points race, as well as the Louisiana Derby, which is a major points race. So um, they get there by accruing by the most points, and the cutoff is uh, is 20th, so you need to be in the top 20 to get in the race. Tom, let's say let's say next month on February 20th, Mo Tom does well again, not just top four, but maybe you know winner place here with regard to the Risen Star. Uh, will there come a point where he'll have enough points to say he's in, and we can stop him now and get him ready for the Derby, or does he have to go ahead and try and take as much of the 100 available at the Louisiana Derby as we get closer to Kentucky? So uh, the answer to that question is, is twofold. Yes, he would have enough points uh, if he runs first or second in the Risen Star. But but to have him at his best for the first Saturday of May and spacing his races that far apart from late February all the way to the beginning of May wouldn't work to his advantage. As a matter of fact, statistically, I think maybe only one horse – in the history of the Derby, of the most recent runs of the Derby, so the modern generation of the Derby, has won the Kentucky Derby with an eight-week rest, and none have won with more than an eight-week rest before between races. So it's, it, it's keeping your horse sharp, keeping him physically fit uh, are important, and the racing, racing provides you with that. So we still have to see him go through the Louisiana Derby is what you're saying? He's Absolutely. The road long. to the Kentucky Derby definitely goes through the Louisiana Derby, which is in the end of March. There's no question about that. And uh, I know I speak for uh, Mrs. Benson as well as the rest of the camp when I say Motom will run the Kentucky Derby if we believe he's got a real chance to win that race. And uh, right now we certainly believe it. Uh, but he's got two more races ahead of him, and he's got to continue to show his ability uh, at these further distances. You bring up Mrs. Benson. Um, let me ask you this. Tom, with your career, um, you, you basically could probably work for any owner of your choosing at this point. Why GMB Racing and Gail Benson? Well, I mean, that's an easy answer. I, I, I can't think of a better owner to train for in the United States. I mean, you know, not only are they, is she a wonderful person and she gets a great assist, from uh, from her husband, who, by the way, a lot of people don't know, had a sizable stable back in the 70s before he owned the Saints. Uh, 
but but they're great people. They understand racing. Um, they're, they're they're engaged. Um, when we talk about the race and what we're going to do, they ask the proper questions. And and maybe you know one other factor that's that's that you really wouldn't come to mind about, but we saw it this past Saturday evening after Motom won the Lacan. When they came down to the winner's circle, the crowd, and it was a sizable crowd there, cheered for them. And um, I think that speaks to how well they're loved in New Orleans, how much they've done for the city, not only with their professional teams, but their very generous uh, time and donations to different projects. I mean, they are New Orleans. And to be lucky enough to train for someone like that, being a New Orleans native myself, I I can't imagine a better fit, at least in my mind. Are all all owners of horse racing teams or just horses that are competitive, are they all fans? Because I know the Bensons are fans of the sport. Or uh, have you found yourself in a situation where it's strictly been a business? So if, if you don't love it, uh, I, I don't find that, that, that you stay in it. So the, the best owners are not only the ones that are engaged with their horses and, you know, come and see their horses and want to be a part of that, but they they really, really love the pageantry of the sport. And it is an awesome sport. Uh, you know, these athletes go out there, and whether they win or lose, they're giving 100% every time they run. And to watch a race unfold, particularly – uh, one life full of comp where you know that your horse is going to lay back early and try to make that big run at the end to win and see it unfold just like you thought it might in your head. Um, I, I don't have a great description for what that feeling is, but I do know this. If I could bottle it and sell it, I'd make a lot of money because mm. it's it's a wonderful feeling and it's addictive. Look, I may be taking the right or the wrong perspective on this deal, but let me just say this. Um, to me, this topic is extremely exciting because the people of New Orleans, sports fans of New Orleans, and I'm sure in the horse racing community as well, we love when one of our own wins or represents us on a national stage. So I may be getting it a little too far ahead here, Tom Amos, but I can't help but be excited to think that one of our own, being you and Mo Tom and Mr. and Mrs. Benson, might be competing at the Kentucky Derby. And to me, that's as exciting as the New Orleans Saints playing in the NFL playoffs or the New Orleans Pelicans playing in the NBA playoffs. So I'm hoping that in some sense this city or this sports community gets behind you guys here this spring. I think they already have. I really do, Sean. Uh, I saw it Saturday night, and um, I look, I'm hopeful every day that Tom stays healthy and continues to you know, uh, do what, what I think he can do. Um, I, I do feel a little bit like I don't want to let anybody down. And, uh, and by that I mean you know, not only his – the, the ownership, but, but the people that are following him. And New Orleans knows horse racing, and uh, I think you're going to see a huge crowd for the Risen Star, and I think you're going to see tremendous support for the Benson's Motom. I will do my best to come over and see you all, that's for sure. And, uh, and Tom, as, as I've done uh, with several interviews over the, the years and whatnot, uh, when I feel like I'm a little over my skis, I'll always ask my subject, uh, to perhaps add anything that I've left out or have failed to ask you. Is there anything else in this conversation that, that you would like fans to know about or for me to know about in, in this process that is happening with you, whether it be you and Mo Tom or, or Dallas and Tom's ready, that, that I'm not perhaps uh, engaging you with? 
I, I think you've done a great job of covering it, Sean. Um, you know, look, it's been a wonderful experience to this point. I hope it continues to, to do that. And, uh, you know, the only thing that I might add was just a little bit about Tom's personality. You know, he's he is truly the most laid-back guy you ever saw. The day of the race on Saturday, he spent the day sleeping in his stall until it was time to get up and go perform. And uh, one other little characteristic, he loves peppermints. So if you're ever in the barn, uh, bring a couple of peppermints. He'll 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 you'll be his best friend. <laughs> it's interesting, uh, to say the least, the relationship that you guys have with these beautiful animals. There's no doubt. Um, by the way, how big is Motom? We didn't cover that. Is he a big horse? Is he what size is he? Would you say? He is. He's he's uh, he's probably close to 17 hands, which is considered big for a three-year-old. And one of the reasons he's got such a big stride is because of his size. He can put it all together. So, you know, a lot of big horses are clumsy, but uh, but he's not. He's athletic and big, so he's got a really nice long stride, and that enables him to cover a lot of ground, particularly late in the race. Last question. We had a Triple Crown winner, finally. Is the sport as healthy as it's ever been because of that? Well, I think the sport got more attention. Um uh, mm-hmm because of American Pharaoh and, uh, and, and, and really surprisingly, it really crossed over to a lot of things. Uh, I mean, he was featured on the tonight show and amongst other things. So, uh, I was caught off guard by that. Uh, but I, I was also caught off guard by how much the public wanted a triple crown winner, both on the track. They had a huge crowd at Belmont when he won the Belmont to secure the triple crown, as well as all of the nation on TV. They got huge ratings on TV. So I would say that the taste and the appetite for uh, horse racing is very, very sound right now. Excellent, excellent. Tom Amos, all the best. We'll be watching, and uh, I hope that we'll be able to – I know your schedule gets busier and busier, but I hope that we'll be able to check back in as this progresses. Anytime. Pleasure. All right, right, there he is, Tom Amos, trainer with GMB Racing, and he is in charge of Mo Tom, who currently sits seventh in the Kentucky Derby Point standings. That Risen Star race, or stakes, is uh, February 20th, by the way. We'll be take a break. We'll be right back. You owe it to yourself and your home to call Terminex. I'm Vincent Palumbo. Whether you need a lifetime termite damage guarantee or hassle-free pest control service, we do it all. And I'm Ed Martin, Terminix entomologist. We have developed a convenient pest control system where we're scheduled in your home only twice a year. We attack bugs outside where they live. Call 834-7330 for guaranteed control of any pests or termites. Terminix does it all. Manilo, one last time. All the hits, all the joy, all the memories. Don't miss Barry Manilo at Smoothie King Center, Friday, January 29th. Tickets on sale now at Ticketmaster.com and the Smoothie King Center box office. All the hits. Manilo. One last time. For more info, see Manilo.com. Create fun and affordable memories for the entire family with the Pierre's Party Pack. Ticket packages are available for select Pelicans home games throughout the season and include three or more tickets, combo meals, and an on-court free throw experience with Pierre the Pelican, all for as low as $48. The next Pierre's Party Pack night is on Saturday, January 23rd against the Milwaukee Bucks. For more information and to plan your next night out with the gang, visit pelicans.com today. Thanks to the internet, anyone can get a show these days. 
Hey, a couple of things to uh, throw your way as we wrap up Black and Blue Report on this Thursday. I don't know if you've noticed yet uh, going to Pelicans games or if this is your first one in some time uh, tonight that I-10 I westbound ramp uh, right there at the Superdome uh, is now open again. And that's great news uh, for those of us leaving uh, events at the Smoothie King Center and the Mercedes-Benz Superdome. So know that coming to the game tonight. Also, be wary of the weather tonight. Maybe um, plan on a little extra time either getting in or getting out. Uh, the forecast doesn't look real uh, promising. Uh, this is why we enjoy the indoor sport of, uh, indoor sport of basketball. Um, but uh, with regard to driving to and from, maybe a little extra caution, maybe a little extra time with regards to the uh, weather forecast later today. It is a college night tonight at Smoothie King Center. I know all the kids are back uh, in session for the spring semester, and I'm hoping that we'll get a great college crowd tonight to help enhance the noise level and uh, party atmosphere of the Smoothie King Center. With that, 8,000 folks uh, on their way in tonight will receive Pelicans team socks. Very cool giveaway. I, I know you're going to say this, socks. Yeah, socks. No, no, these are cool. Uh, trust me on this one. Uh, tickets available, of course, at pelicans.com, or you can pick up the telephone this afternoon and call 525-HOOP. We're very busy on the radio side tonight. Starting at 6 p.m. on the flagship station here in New Orleans, WRNO-FM. It's the Alvin Gentry Show, as I mentioned earlier. It begins at 6 p.m., That'll immediately run up against Pelicans warm-up, hosted by Daniel Salerson, then tip off tonight between the Pelicans and the Pistons at 7, and then we'll wrap it all up with Pelicans OT, and Daniel Salerson will return to the Smoothie King Center studios to uh, put a wrap on not only the ballgame, but also to take your calls and comments as you make your way home or you're listening elsewhere to uh, tonight's ballgame. Television coverage, of course, Fox Sports New Orleans. Their coverage begins at 6.30 Central, and uh, again, tip off at 7 with Joel Myers, David Wesley, and Jennifer Hill. Our big thanks today to Tom Amos, trainer of Mo Tom from GMB Racing, and also to Jake Chapman from Pistons Radio in helping us get ready for this Thursday. We'll be back with you tomorrow with more, and I think we're going to also continue a little uh, uh, preparation for the uh, championship games in the NFL side coming up this weekend. So we'll look forward to you tomorrow afternoon right here on the podcast for Saints and Pelicans fans. Until then, have a great rest of your Thursday. And tonight at the Smoothie King Center, go Pelicans. For all of our guests today, and for Daniel Salerson, I'm Sean Kelly. So long for just a while. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Black and Blue Report. If all goes well, we'll be back tomorrow. Tune in each weekday at 12 p.m. or at your convenience exclusively online at NewOrleansSaints.com and Pelicans.com. Follow your teams direct from the source. The Black and Blue Report.